Welcome, one and all, into Inside LAC, the Max and Vince podcast, returning to the glorious Performance Center. Uh, no planes going by. Did have a helicopter go by a little bit because mm-hmm. this is very, very busy airspace. We are recording this on the Tuesday before Austin FC, so many of you might be listening to this after that result. So we will we'll talk about a lot of what's coming up, and there is a lot for the club, a little bit of Austin FC as well, coming off the defeat, their first road or second road defeat, second overall in Colorado. There's Vince LaRosa. My name is uh, Max Bretos, and uh, this, is a, uh, this is a big spot for the club. This has been the toughest month of the season. We all knew it, right? For a lot like of clubs, too, May. we should say. Yeah, it's, it's everyone because the games are picking up. This is the time of the year where everyone knows that they're going to have two games a season. And if you're successful, you get yourself more games. So that's what LAFC does. They're a successful club. They got more games. And, uh, yeah, talking to Steve and just being like, you guys knew going into he's We knew going into it that this would be one of the busiest spells of the season. Uh, and we thought we had a lot, a lot of depth. And it's whittled down a little bit, unfortunately, due to injuries. Yeah, and that's a big that's a, a big issue that uh, is, is frustrating because that was a uh, something that separated LAFC from the rest of the league. It's now something that they're going to have to deal with and hopefully get healthy over this next stretch. They have that two-week gap coming up here in June also, which uh, has already been earmarked. We spoke to Steve Trundolo about as a time to get everyone back and healthy for that summer run. Did want to mention we'll be joined by uh, the new director of football operations, Marco Garces. I'm really excited to talk, this talk is to him be about a great... scouting, talk to him about what he's looking for in young players. That's that's pretty cool. For all of those of you that are wondering, when is it going to happen? When is the first Los Angelino homegrown player going to come out of LAFC? This is the guy to ask. And from what we understand, they're very optimistic that that is going to start to churn that conveyor belt very soon. It's an exciting thing that we never had. They've had some homegrown players that they were able to sign, like, you know, essentially like Bryce Duke and Mamadou Fall, guys that they had to go look out from out, outside that weren't L.A.-based. We know this is fertile ground, and Marco's been here specifically to help connect the dots right. from the early the, the kids playing in the park to the academy to the Las Vegas Lights to LAFC. Yeah, I think John mentioned it when he was hired and they did the press conference was someone like Marco wouldn't have made sense for them two years ago, right? Because the academy, the way they wanted to grow it specifically was to start from basically from ground zero, start from scratch, move move a group up, which this group that is now kind of, you're seeing getting more first team training minutes. They got a little bit of time in that COVID year, Christian Torres, uh, Tony Leone, Eric Duane, yes, they're part of that very first group, but they were 14 years old when they first, 13, 14 years old when they very first came on. So they got to kind of grow up in the LAFC way. But now that the academy has every single level, there's obviously MLS Next Pro, all those, all those other levels that are coming together. This is the perfect time to bring in a man that can really professionalize it, and he can look at it from top to bottom and say, okay, we've connected the academy now. Now the next step is, to your point, that homegrown that doesn't just play a little bit, but stars for LAFC, and then possibly moves on to Europe, which is it's got to be something that this club is looking forward to because once you establish that, clubs are going to keep coming to you. It is. and We've seen it with FC Dallas. Now Philadelphia Union has been really glowing with their academy. It's not just uh, an apparatus to build your club and find star players to play for your team specifically. Eyeballs are all over this league, mm-hmm. and, they, and they've been waiting for that, that shoe to drop in Los Angeles, and Marco Garces is the guy who's going to be uh, – in charge of doing that. And we'll also talk, because he's coming from Pachuca, which is a club that did this very well when it came to developing players. We'll talk about the relationships between uh, the very, the ever-growing relationship between Liga MX and MLS. 
which is a game changer in many ways to that next step. I think we're going to have to do more than one with Marco at some point this season. Okay, we'll ask also, him. He's got, he's got his expertise with scout, for scouting South America in Mexico for Manchester United. Like, and scouting South America is a big deal for this club, mm -hmm. no doubt about it. So uh, maybe a little briefly we'll talk about Colorado. It was, uh, it was, I mean, we all waited for this game to, I think, to happen. We knew it was going well. There was times when LAFC would fall behind and they'd find a way back. At some point, you can't. And this was obviously a game that is going to be defined by officiating, and we could talk about that. I, I, as we talked on our LAFC 360 shows, can't really argue any of those calls. By the book, they were yeah. they pro referees could show you that that is the right call. And you'll kind of have to uh, eat some humble pie on that. Uh, the 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 the, the over-officiating is what I have concerns about. The mm -hmm. the the over-usage of VAR mm -hmm. and sometimes the, the the not effective use of of VAR where it was with the penalty retake where it took so long. Right. And then you're sitting there as uh, in a sport where it's the appeal is that it's free flowing and it's just stopped. Well, we talked about that uh, on the same show, and then later on we had. John McCarthy, who had to deal with that actual, and he came to the exact same conclusion. He goes, look, it is what it is. You got to do, you got to move on. You got to continue to play the game. He goes, but I just wish there wasn't so much VAR, and I just wish it didn't take so long. Because we, our, our stance on it was officially that, yes, end of the day, letter of the law, all those calls are probably correct, uh, at least the ones against LFC. We did say we thought that there should have been a penalty that Chicho won in the box uh, towards the end of the half. But the one thing that we didn't love was, like, how are you not able to see the goalkeeper's foot off the line in real time? Do we need VAR for that? Because now it feels like we're now in that realm of where the offside rule has gotten, where we all hate it. It's just like, God, it's so it's down to the millimeter, and is that exactly how we want the game to play? Offside, maybe I, I can don't understand. Want that. But, like, for this, it's right there, and the assistant's right there. Come on. He can just look at it, and if he sees it, he sees it. If he doesn't, I mean, LFC almost went down and created a chance after that. The amount of time that was spent between the save, because the ball member didn't go out of play, and they brought it in, they kept it in play. Actually, it would have been, I don't know, maybe if, if the ball would have gone out of play and they would have just kicked off right away, it would have been good for LAFC. I don't know if they would have stopped them in time, but that was, that was a bummer. That was a bummer indeed. Uh, you know, if, I always fear, I know this is just me being a conspiracy theorist, uh, that they'll eventually start have, using VAR for illegal throw-ins and oh, stuff God. like that. So, you know, I want them to stop now and focus on... You know, Offsides, handball in front of goal. You know one thing they don't use VAR for that they probably should? When balls go out of play? Yeah. Like, how many times have you and I watched a game, and, and yes, it's maybe just a throw-in, but the ball kind of goes out of play, and we're like, I think that was out of play. And everyone goes, oh, I don't know, and then a goal gets scored. <laughs> and look, if you're going to be so techni technically innovative with VAR, when are we going to stop the clock from running and not have it on someone's watch, right? If yeah. we're going to be so avant-garde. This has become a whole new whole I know. different podcast. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there, but it's all this. And, and backtrack. Okay, I'll stop. Backtracking the place as to see if something fouled on the way to a goal. It's a slippery slope. Uh, that all said, LAFC did not deserve to, no, they didn't, to they win didn't this game. They didn't play well for whatever reason, whether it was intent or tired legs. And I get it. And we talked about it, the, the altitude. You can't use it as an excuse, but it is a reality. And we think, or at least myself personally, is – you can get through altitude when you're playing well or the games, it's a good game, but when you have two decisions, actually three decisions go against you so quickly early on in the game, now you're down 2-0, it's almost too deflating. And yes, 
professionals are paid to put that out of mind and try to get back into the game, but they just it seemed like there was no way back into the game. Everything was stacked against them between the altitude, the calls, the fatigue, the injuries. Obviously, Ryan Hollingshead goes out. It would have been a, a, a miracle if they were able to get anything out of that game. Maybe they deserved a goal, but it still felt like yeah, that was Colorado's loss. game. It was lost. And Colorado's really good at home, and we can talk about altitude, but they, what, have not been beaten when 30 games, 33? No, 22 games un 22 unbeaten games. at home. 22 games. I don't know where I got the 30 number. Uh, by the way, Austin. Really trying to make Colorado <laughs> look good. They're unbreachable. By the way, Austin FC, same situation. Played over the weekend at altitude, Real Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. We're leading. They played okay, and then they got away from the second half after they got a red card. Right. Uh, to a key player. To a key player. And then uh, they had to hold on, and they were tired. They looked very tired at the end. So Real Salt Lake has a distinct home field advantage. So this is something that's going to certainly come into view. I, I, I think depth has been such a positive. But when Ryan Hollingshead goes down, you have to bring Kellen Acosta to right back. Uh, then it's not a strength, and you are just like everybody else in this case. You have to find a way to do it, and you can't bring a guy off the bench to give a difference. They didn't have that no. because of the injuries. This is the first time all season you could say that. No, I think we're seeing a lot of teams get tired at this point, getting heavier legs, because as you said, it's starting. It's the first time in the season where you're going to have two games a week consistently, right? There is going to be this two-week break, but you got you got to get there healthy first. And really, I think Steve's bigger problem with that was it's fine. There's going to be fatigue, but he just wanted a little bit more intense, a little yeah. bit more aggressiveness. Like try to play, try to play through it a little more. And I think what he saw was a team that just—I don't want to say they gave up because they're still professional athletes and they were out there to do a job. But he was telling us, you know, you, you got to run a little bit more. You got to just do, <laughs> do you a little, little said, bit more. Bare minimum. You got to. Yeah. You're not. You're not out there to run just for running sake. He's like, but there's a. He, I think he even used the word threshold. There's a threshold of at least the minimum that you got to do. And he's like, I just felt like we didn't quite ever push beyond that threshold. So, uh, LAFC Austin, they hope to push through that threshold here on Wednesday night. Game is on KCOP. Big game. Keith Pierce will join me in the booth. We have Jordan Harvey joining Mark Rogandino, so tune in for that. If you can't make it out to the stadium, we expect it to be rocking as it always is. Austin's a, a team that tries to get after it. Had a great start. Remember this whole, what was it, the, the taco, the breakfast burrito? <laughs> breakfast tacos. Breakfast yep. tacos going back and forth. You know, Austin's off the boil a bit. Little, it was a little fun. Yeah, they, they've kind of fallen off a little bit too and as we said Perea has got a red card he's a, he's a pivotal player for them Austin the way they became a better team because they've always played a somewhat attractive style of football is they've been better against transition they were getting carved up by teams that were willing to sit back and soak pressure and then just hit him in transition Perea was really the guy that yeah. did that for him he's the guy he's the linchpin between the two so we'll have to see how they rejig some things with I, I think maybe Alexander Ring moves back in that position or Johan Valencia might might kind of fill in that spot but when you find a guy that, that really does that job you don't want to miss him in a pivotal game in a away game uh, where you know you're going to see waves of pressure but this is I think the Philadelphia game was fun because it was two teams doing exactly playing their style and not giving an inch and they were going 100 miles an hour I think this game will be different in the fact that the teams will still play their style but their styles are a lot more similar so it'll be a more flowing game uh, a little more positional and I think for the football purists, this might be a, a better game to watch just because it's going to be two teams that want to knock the ball around a little bit, find pockets of space. Uh, Gabrielson, who's the Norwegian defender, and Cascante, 
they, they gave up a lot of goals. Those two guys have made this a much more fierce defensive outfit. Diego Fagundes has been one of the best players in the league, in yep. my opinion, even though Sebastian Driussi is their top scorer. Sebastian Driussi does not play as well as he does if it's not for Diego Fagundes. Yeah, Fagundes leads the league in uh, assists, last I checked, so he's, uh, he's been really good. So this is a dangerous team. Got those great green jerseys. Austin, we like Austin. Austin's weird. We've only played it. We like Austin. Austin's weird. Austin's weird. Way to get the tagline in yeah, there. Yeah, Austin's weird. Uh, I love Austin because uh, Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson back in the day, some of my favorite music. Uh, it's uh, a club we've played three times last year. That was their first year. LAFC won all three. Yep. So it's a team that they haven't uh, dropped a point to. You think they? Do you think they remember that? Do you think there's any history in that, or they're just like, yeah, that was Such our first a year? Yeah, and I don't think LAFC really remembers it too much because those games were part of trying to get above that playoff line, which they weren't able to do in the end, but they were. Uh, they were good moments, but you always said it's it's an expansion team. Yeah, I mean, look, they score a lot of goals. They can be effective going forward. But to your point, I do think if you can get at their back four, you can you can have some joy. And that's what LAFC's maybe been lacking the past couple of games is, is getting sustained pressure in and around the other team's defense in and around their box. Um, just for whatever reason, whether it's game state, uh, like it was in Colorado, or just because Philly plays such a style that just not going to happen. You're never going to have time on the ball. So this is this is a game where I feel like if you want to get your confidence back, it's a although Austin is playing well, it's a game where I think you you really think you can get some joy and you can knock the ball around. I think uh, if I'm looking at someone like Carlos Vela, this is a game for him to maybe get back yeah. back in rhythm. That would be great to see. Uh, and some good news with uh, with some of the injured players. We mentioned Ryan Hollingshead, and uh, they're going to be tracking him. They just don't know yeah, uh, where it is, so it's going to be day-to-day, -day, but he's here. Um, Eddie Segura's training with the team. It's about getting fitness, so I, I don't think you see him very well, so, soon. Okay, we did LAFC 360 on 110 Football. We wanted to answer some of the a questions. A lot of people were like, I feel like you've been telling me Eddie Segura is yeah. going to be back for the I last felt like we have. weeks. Let's, <laughs> but let's – we have – so you're right. You're not wrong for all of you. We're not, I'm not gaslighting you here. But, but what we should define what back is for Eddie Segura. He had a long-term injury. So an ACL injury, he's been out for a long time. Back for no, us. No pain. Yeah. No, no, no drawbacks with the injury. He is, it's just got to get from that fitness from here to here, which is a lot for athletes of this level. And I think we've been pretty consistent in saying this. Hey, we're seeing Eddie do more and more. Now he's back in full training. But we always said back for Eddie is still going to be a cameo appearance, right? Because he missed a whole preseason. He's going to have to build up to 90 minutes. It's not like just because he's been getting fit the best he can to on his own, he's not going to be able to just drop in and play 90 minutes. So he's a lot farther along. I think we're a lot closer to seeing him. But even then, back is going to be, I think, a cameo appearance. Franco Escobar also day-to-day, -day, but day -day. a very positive light on him uh, as to uh, his ability to return. And then Murillo's back. And they said Brian Rodriguez should be pretty, pretty close to ready. As They're well. hoping he might be in the squad. Might be in the squad. So there's some good news to pass on. And you just got to get through this stretch. And right, I want to say. You get the two week break. I don't want to say get through it. You got to enjoy this stretch yeah. because you have two home games. You have a game at the Galaxy, obviously, at US Open Cup. And you have, um, let's go in chronological order mm -hmm. Austin at home, at Columbus over the weekend, at the Galaxy next Wednesday. San Jose at home next Saturday, and then two weeks, which I guarantee you, and we spoke to Steve Cherundolo, they are looking forward to just to take a breath, right. to get guys some time off, mm -hmm. to get some guys to decompress, to get guys back fit, to get everyone, the, the band back together so that they can approach the very busy summer months where you hope some help will come mm -hmm. when the market opens as well. So 
the the, the finished product for LAFC kind of we'll see there in the summer. But first, the MLS season is is like four seasons in one. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on. Like but you that, said, they're just kind of been waiting for, right? Yeah. That's where you said this is where. Maybe they fill that DP slot, they get some new additions, and then everyone's healthy. That's where you go, okay, this is the squad right here. Yeah, it starts out as kind of like a, a little bit of a jog, and then it's a sprint right to that spot where you get a couple weeks, and then you can kind of sit back and go, okay, what do we have here? What data points do we have? Hey, look, the market's going to open back up. Then the summer months can be a little bit of a slog um, just because it's hotter. There's more midweek games coming in, whether it's Open Cup or just the regular season. And then it's back to sprint again because you're just racing to get playoff positioning. And I think if you're LAFC, you're looking at it. You had such a bad result against Colorado. Austin is a team that's obviously up in the ranks. Uh, They're no longer second because Dallas has kind of paced up ahead of them. But you you don't want one defeat to turn into two or three. So you want to really put in a good performance, especially at home, win your home games, uh, show off for your your home crowd. So they're probably going to put all into this. Then you get on the road, and it's an Eastern Conference team. And I'm not saying that they're going to take their foot off the pedal, but you might look at it as a rotate chance a little bit. to rotate because you turn back midweek, and it's the game that really matters. Because you've already won the two games. You're starting to see the finish line. When I say the finish line, I'm talking about a semifinal, a mm-hmm. final, and then you can start thinking about winning the U.S. Open Cup. But there it is uh, within reach. And if they get past the Galaxy, and look, historically they've never gotten the result at that place. Then it's either Sacramento, San Jose. You're gonna like their chances there, right. and then lo and behold, you're in the semifinals. Yeah, and, and I asked Steve Chernilo, go. I mean, about uh, it's been great. They prioritized the Open Cup, and he said, "Look, we prioritize everything. We want to prioritize everything. It's both. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to do that, and that's why the health of this club is so important. Heading into Austin and then Columbus, and hopefully you have the chance to rotate yeah. that. But there it is, a chance at a rival, and a chance to get what f- your four wins away." from a trophy yeah Austin a direct competitor at home you uh, you want to win that game like I said especially coming off a loss Columbus is a team that's struggling and they're in a different conference maybe you can move some things around because uh, they don't frighten me the way that they used to I know they still have Zeller on but they're very pragmatic and they're very kind of plotting in the way that they move around so maybe you can move some pieces for that but like you said gotta win that Galaxy game gotta win that game it's It's at their place it's a one-off Obviously, the only other time we've had a game that is of consequence against the Galaxy, we have won it. So you want to keep being able to hold that over their head until we get more years where we can get all those trophies because they seem to want to hold that they have so many trophies overhead as if we were going to win seven in a year. Uh, but, it, yeah, you just you got to get that win. And obviously, San Jose, we don't necessarily like San Jose, but I think if you gave supporters the, the opportunity well, that's to That's a rivalry should be built. Yeah, there's four games. You say there's four games. They're pretty tough. There's some injuries going on. You can only win two. I think they would pick out. They'd circle Austin and Galaxy. You'd love to win all of them, but they would circle those yeah. two. The San Jose, I would say, because you're heading into that break, you want that good taste. You do want the boot. Yeah, you, you can't get it. You can't have it all. Or could you? We'll see. Well, so far, the team has. San Jose is playing better too. That's another. San Jose thing. is playing better as they as they abandoned the the style that they played before. So you got to kind of look at the recent games to see what they're really like. Although there's still a little there's still a little MLS after dark energy in them. <laughs> uh, but yes, you're right. That's that's a growing rivalry, but. Because of the two weeks, I think really it could have been anyone. You want to go into those two weeks, like you said, with a good taste in your mouth. And it feels like LAFC has gotten to have it all until as of late. So maybe we can get back on that horse. And Just looking ahead of that Open Cup game, um, and the, the Galaxy got through their first two games without having to play a lot of their, their first team. And they did it against the, 
the team down California United was at California Strikers down in Irvine. Cal United Strikers was the team that they just beat. And they played, you know, the Galaxy didn't have to really play their first team, kind of rotate a little bit, but they're going to play their first team here. So it'd be crazy. Not the second, I know, but the second team put them in a position where they didn't have too much of right. a burden. So the Galaxy do have an edge in that case. They didn't have to play. They didn't have to play Portland like we had. They didn't have to play Portland as well. Because even if Portland comes in and they're like, we have some injuries, we have some COVID, you still play your first team because you're like, well, we just want to beat you. We don't care. Yeah, right. It's not our not our problem. And we didn't talk about what incredible uh, scenes to see the crowd there and the thirty two fifty two going shana na hey good. But I, I've covered Open Cup games in front of not ten people, but it felt like it sometimes. I covered a uh, final between the the Metro Stars and the Fire. Bob Bradley coached the Metro Stars I think at the time. Mm. With and, Michael, probably. Yeah, and it was at Giant Stadium, and it said 5,000 people, and that's an 80,000-seat stadium. Ooh. There wasn't 5,000 people. It was like 2,000 people. Yeah, it's a cavern it was, stadium. It was just weird. No, you, a little pocket of this giant well, Remember on the podcast, you said, you know, there's some people that are like, come on, is it really a rivalry? Watch that game. Yeah. Watch the crowd in that game. Yes, it's a real rivalry. Yeah, and the, Nothing had to be coaxed. And the LAFC and a few other clubs have really lifted this open cup where you see this atmosphere. It's really important for the development of the game. Because uh, we didn't have the Open Cup, and now that playing parallel with. I was going to say that. I know. I know important. we took a couple years off, and maybe that's all it is. But the Open Cup does feel a little special this year. Feels bigger. Yeah. Feels bigger, and some teams have really uh, delivered. I think 13 of the 16 remaining are MLS teams. So, mm. the. But there's been some good the upsets. Cinderella, the, the, the yeah. David, coming the, through there, not probably going to happen this year. The gap between the the teams is is now on display especially as you get into these later rounds but there has been some upsets maybe we'll see more than that because it felt like usl teams are well a little bit well off the wheel now well i think what a lot of mls teams learned was if you play your second team you're risking it you're gonna yeah where it used to be uh, but there's always been some upsets it's like teams never learn it, it, but that's why i felt a little more special this year because i felt like more mls teams were taking the open cup serious so Un there's a there's understanding what you get out of it there's a lot to look forward to. A lot of games, so uh, soak them all in. Because you're, what are you going to be doing for those two weeks? Take some time off. Yeah, you're going to miss it. I'm taking a little time off. You are. Yeah, going to uh, Helsinki. I'll, I'll explain it later. But Max that's, with the great planning. I don't know what to tell you. It's not my final destination, but it was the cheapest flight out of LAX, and it was direct. Hopefully, I come back in one piece. I'm just going to sleep. <laughs> Get out. Maybe a little. What about yeah. our Catalina jet ski trip with Harvey? Update on that. No, I shouldn't share. We'll do an update on this. When we spoke to John McCarthy, his dad reached out to us and he says he is willing to come in here and we're going to have a cheesecake, cheese steak. Uh, <laughs> I'll have some cheesecake after, display. though. No, I don't like cheesecake. Cheese no? steak, I'll eat. Okay. Cheesecake, not for me. But I think I think we don't want to go too in depth. But there we go. We're gonna be back here on Inside LAFC, and we'll have Marco Garces. A very interesting conversation coming up here on the Max and Vince podcast. Back here on Inside LAFC, the MVP podcast. Uh, thrilled to welcome in Marco Garces, director of football operations here for LAFC, and uh, we want to talk a lot about you. So we're gonna we even said we might have to split it in two because uh, there's so much to address. But I just wanted to get your your thoughts on coming to LAFC. When did when did this seem like a reality? When do they approach you about, hey, we have something here. Our academy is coming together with our our Las Vegas Lights partnership and the first team, and we want you to be part of it. Well, I, I've been trying to come to the MLS for quite some time, and and uh, by the time that John called me, well, it was a very pleasing surprise, you know, because uh, I, as I told you, I was looking for this opportunity, and. Um, 
and and to to come from LAFC, which was so special for us because basically that was that was a team that trashed us in Leon, right? <laughs> so and, and and me being a part of Pachuca, I was a part of the of the people involved in building that roster for Leon, and we were doing quite well in the Mexican league. You know, we were basically winning everything. And when LAFC comes down there and, and, and just beat us, it was like a, like a shock of reality, you know? Really? Like, like the MLS boys are coming and they're, and they're for real, you know? But you, you said you wanted to come to MLS. Was that the, the stimulus to it? Or is this something you've seen from the league and said, I want to be part of that. There's something good, there's yeah, something dude, good happening. Yeah, you, you could see that there was something good boiling in here because, because of the... The openness, you know, when when you come from uh, from football in Mexico, there's like this culture that just weighs you down and doesn't allow you to try nothing new because it has always been done like that in the past and everyone has had like two million championships to, to account for and nothing new can ever be tried. And, and this openness that the MLS has, it was very attractive for me, you know. Yeah, you said in your, your press conference, I had asked you, I said, well, you look out into Los Angeles and you see the talent pool and you said there might be too much talent. Yes. So when you come here and you start to say that you got to try some new things, what were some things that you kind of put on your list as, wow, there's so much talent, but at least I can start to be expansive. I can be creative. What were some creative ideas that you kind of wanted to start to instill when you first came? Yeah, you have to think outside of the box because, yeah, actually I think that that's a problem in here. There's too much talent. So how do you... How do you give minutes to all these players? Because you know that the only way to develop players is through giving them minutes. You know, the other, the only way to develop players is to having them play. So, but if you have five good kids at the same age group in the same position, you tend not to be as patient as you could be, right? Because anyone plays badly for five minutes and then you just substitute them and he doesn't play for six months again. So you have to be creative in how to create opportunities for all these kids and you have to, to think outside of the box. Should we try and, 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 and go wider? Or how, how are we gonna assure that this boys get the right stimulus in order to develop you know and you're still pro you're still figuring that out right how much i mean how do we handle this because we know the talent is here how much do we focus on one player or focus on the masses how do we how, how many minutes do we give them is this this is still all yeah the, you're all you're all fleshing an, this out yeah it's an ongoing discussion should we go like the european model in which you try to nurture talent and you try to give personal development programs to everyone and get really high on them or should we go for the south american model which is just about filtering and and having as much kids involved as possible keep costs low and and just wait it out see see who comes through you know so i think Eventually, we're gonna get into a mixture of both, and uh, and I think it can be really, really successful. You know, that's very exciting. <laughs> what I, what I want to know is when so when you you start looking at a player, and and you can take it any anywhere you want, whatever age group you want to start with. But yep. where are your what are your starting points uh, when you're starting to look at players in and around Los Angeles, and you're starting to think that's a player that we want to bring in, and we want to have them be a part of this setup. Well, usually you you look for qualities that you cannot give. So you basically go back to the acronym that uh, the, the so abused acronym of uh, of Ajax of tips, right? Technique, intelligence, personality, speed. Because these are things that you cannot give. Okay. You cannot give a player technique. That's that's all the hours that he spent 
kicking against the wall, right? You can't give him intelligence. Either he can learn or he cannot learn. You cannot give him personality. If he's bold, he's courageous, if he's brave, that's very hard to give. Speed, it's, it's mostly a, a neuromuscular thing that you cannot really provide. If you see a kid that he's had, has technique, intelligence, personality, speed, then you want to have a hold of it because mm -hmm. All the other things, understanding, tactical awareness, uh, strength, power, you can give that, you know, it's easy to give that. But in here you, you see so much talent that that kind of intelligence of being able to, to see the right play and try to play it, I, I found that a lot in here. Uh, what's the process like to identify that talent? Because we know that's a big group of people, mm -hmm. this is a big city, you said there's a lot of talent here. Uh, and a lot of traffic. A lot of. <laughs> I can't, how do you get from? Oh field my God! To field. You need a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we don't have one, but we need one. Uh, it's yeah. and look, and the, the old adage in the United States is that no one wants to leave a player uh, lost in the cracks. And that, it's going to happen sometimes. But how do you be as thorough as possible to see, to be able to have that communication with everyone so that you can see as many players and hope that that one guy doesn't slip through the cracks. Yeah, and it's all about resources, right? So I think you have to take the 80-20 rule, like, okay, with 20% of the resources, we can scout 80% of the players. To go to 100%, that would mean increasing our resources in 80%. And it, it's something that uh, I think you just have to 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 make a, a, a how do you call it? A, a gut, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just a decision. You have, you have to just yeah, decide yeah, that, like, yeah. you're going to miss out on some or you're going to have to do something. Yeah, you're going to okay. compromise. That, that, that was the word I was looking for. Like, you just come to a compromise and say, okay, there's 20% of players that won't get here, you know, but we can really focus on these 80% of players. And should we go through an affiliated school program or should we try to, to get into a loan basis so that you can get... Again, minutes to all these players because it's the only way that they're developing. If I could follow up, if there's advice for, because we hear it all the time from parents and they have a, a son or a daughter who is interested in getting it, advice for them so that those kids can be in the best position to perhaps get a pathway to an LAFC. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of open scouting uh, events or combines that we're constantly scouting and we know that we try to get uh, to do our best to get into every little league and small league and unaffiliated league. We've started uh, talks with Cal South and SoCal and Laufa and everyone around so that we can, we can make our best effort to make sure that we watch them all, you know? We talked a little bit about your, your work in Mexico, Pachuca. You talked a little about, about mm -hmm. León. Obviously, your net extends wider than that, though you also have done some scouting for Manchester United. And this mm -hmm. might seem an obvious question, but maybe you can take this a certain way. When you're scouting for LAFC, how is that different for scouting for, let's say, a, a Manchester United and the player they're looking for? Because I understand the money is the obvious thing. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that was good. The money. Yeah. You got the, money. Got the, play. the money. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know what that means. Money. But you're all still fishing in the same spots, right? And sometimes, you know, a Manchester United might say, that, that's a good player, but just it's not for us, even if the price mm -hmm. is right. Yep. And same for LAFC. That's a good player, but where is the where is the major difference? Yeah, well, I, in the beginning, I thought like it's it, it was going to be completely different when we we had these workshops in in, in Man United. Uh, we had to go every six months, and we met with Sir Alex and everything. And Sir Alex was always very clear about it. Like, if you're doubting, then it's not for us. Mm. When you see a player good enough for Man United, you'll know, you'll know right from the start. But I don't think it differs too much from scouting for Pachuca or LAFC. I don't think that the, the, the difference is so clear-cut. I, I still get excited when I see a good player. I still, I still feel it in my stomach, like, because you're watching 
games and games and you're not watching anything and you don't think that you saw someone special. But when you see someone, uh, I mean, it's a special feeling. Yeah. And I don't think that differs from Man United or LAFC or Pachuca or whatever. Have you had those instances where you saw somebody maybe not at first that wasn't special and then they just were able to show maybe a second, third, you're like, okay, this guy has got her, a guy who's kind of yeah, defied the explanation. One, never one look, right? Like, how many yeah. times are you going to yeah, see a player? Yeah, and, th and there's so many factors that affect it. Like, you can have a very good player on a very bad team, so he's not receiving the ball often, you know? Or or, or he's the the goalkeeper of a very good <laughs> team, so he shots. doesn't get any shots against. So there's all these things that, that matter. So, yes, sometimes you try to watch them training in training session or watch them in small-sided games in these 4 before and stuff, and, and, and those are more revealing than, than a full game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that it's an ongoing conversation. Nobody really knows how to do it perfectly. As you become a, a known quantity in and around the world, and as more people start to see you in your LAFC gear, do you have to go like, uh, you know, restaurant reviewers have to go like incognito because they, they feel like the chef might put out, put out extra food that wasn't there. Do you have to kind of hide? Do you have to kind of hide to make sure that we, if you're at a game, we have some locally, good disguises if you need yeah. it. So not really. I'm not at that stage. I have a pretty average face, so I blend oh, in. I blend rubbish. in. I blend in. Uh, I, just a thought about uh, coming from Mexico and look. Uh, more and more we're seeing these relationships on the field between League MX and MLS. And uh, we, you have seen now MLS for a good amount of time here with LAFC and obviously your experience there, 11 years uh, with Pachuca and, yep. and just with uh, Liga MX overall. Uh, how do you see a, a functioning relationship between those two leagues, not just with games that they played, but maybe in a shared space where they're developing players, maybe a young Mexican player uh, comes, to, comes the MLS route or vice versa. Well, it's very interesting that what you just touched up on because, yeah, we're living in this bi-national market, which is very particular of us because uh, we have the passion in Mexico, the, the, the real uh, history of, 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 of things mattering very much. I mean, we only have one sport, which is soccer, and it's the only thing that matters over there because nothing else matters. And then you have... The, the, the growth of the of the American market and the the, the money <laughs> and the American market so it's very interesting but one thing that I I've, I've just been in the Dallas Cup and GA Cup and I came back like a month ago one thing that I didn't think that we saw coming from a Mexican perspective is that the MLS has improved not only the American national team but also the the Central American national teams so I saw like El Salvador beat really badly. Uh, uh, Tigres, which is a, a top uh, academy in Mexico, and they beat oh, them in the Dallas Cup. Yeah, in yep. the Dallas Cup, they beat them three 0 and it was with all players of the MLS. You, you saw Barahona playing for our under 19s. Nathan Ordaz was playing in that El Salvador team, and so you see that this growth is not only affecting this by market that we were by national market, but it's also improving the the. The pool of players for the Central American countries, you know, it's great, and that's great to hear. Uh, it's a pers well, not, not so great Salvador. if you're yeah, in Mexican. No, not in Mexico. How much is the fight? I mean, that's got a high. <laughs> we'll be fine, but a high tide. Certainly. No, but to his point, Max, Mexico is like uh, U.S. is up and coming. Let's watch out for them, and then they look and go, "Oh, where's El Salvador coming from? Where is Honduras coming from? We thought we had them well in the rearview like, mirror. Uh, they're, they're back." Yeah, yeah. And I was speaking to Luis Fernando Tena, the Mexican coach for the Guatemalan team, and he says, "Yeah, now we're." 
were scouting heavily on the academy players from the MLS. You know? Yeah, and we see Guatemala's Josh Perez also playing uh, for some of these players all over uh, Central America. How is the perception uh, changing from Mexico when they look at MLS? Uh, obviously, success is going to help change. But when you, you, you speak to your Mexican colleagues about how they view MLS, which was probably down here, Seattle Sounders win the CONCACAF Champions League, that obviously changes it a bit. But how do you think the view from Mexico is about this league? Well, you know what, what happened with Seattle Sounders winning the, the CONCACAF Champions and all that? I think that uh, we know that now it's not only a threat, it's a reality that uh, that that we're going to struggle. And I think there's a, 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 an increase in interest in, on how things are going like in here. Like I had calls all the time from Mexican clubs, presidents, and they want to understand better about the roster regulations and how to sell to the American market and how to price players and how to negotiate. Because with all the categories in roster regulations in here, you know that sometimes you can't push for more money. It's, it's That's the only amount available and where to push and how to push. So I think there's an increased interest in, in everything that has a relationship with MLS. Right? That's really interesting because it's was, all it's all interesting, Marco. Well, it yeah. all is. I know that's why we got to bring you back two or three times. But that was going to be where I was going to kind of wrap it up. Was do you see the pendulum kind of swinging? Because I feel like MLS is going to be buying more from Mexico and not vice versa. Well, that's a very interesting talk that I just had with Jesus Martinez, which is one of my closest friends, and he's the basically the owner of of uh, Pachuca and Everton in in Chile and Leon in Mexico as well, and. Uh, I was telling him just that. I think that we have to stop looking at Europe and start looking to the MLS because I think that's going to be the next the next big market, the next big sale opportunity for us. And you've seen it with Jairo Torres coming here with uh, uh, with players that they're paying good money for them. You know, more money. That's it. It just makes a better league. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Marco, this has been a, a fascinating. I, I think we've just scraped the surface, really. Barely. We barely scraped the surface. So we hope to maybe have you back here again, if you don't mind. Uh, whenever you want. I'm always That's what we were hoping, <laughs> hoping to hear. We try to get people on record or saying <laughs> that. <so laughs> we've got it. Yeah, we've we got it so now. Marco, okay. Do you remember saying this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed uh, this uh, Inside LAC Max and Vince podcast. Make sure you download, share, subscribe, tell a friend. Check out LFC Austin on uh, Wednesday night. A lot to look forward to over the next couple weeks, and we'll be here along for the ride. So long.